The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, guys, a special podcast late on this Saturday night following Washington's preseason finale against Baltimore. Ben Standig is going to jump on the show here in moments from M&T Bank Stadium. And then following Ben, Terps coach Mike Loxley will be my guest to help us preview what should be his best team since he arrived in College Park four years ago. Maryland is a 21-point favorite in their opener Saturday against Buffalo uh, in College Park. Uh, my bookie is a place you can make that wager if you like the Terps laying 21. They are going to be an explosive offensive football team. Now, will it happen happen against Ohio State and Michigan? I don't know, but it might happen and probably will happen against the likes of Buffalo. Uh, my bookie is the presenting sponsor of the podcast tonight, and my bookie wants you to sign up using my promo code and they'll double your first deposit. Yeah, it's a double deposit bonus. It's quick, it's easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account. You can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games, contests, and props as you want. College football got underway today. Big upset. Northwestern beat Nebraska outright in Dublin, Ireland, 31-28. to Scott Frost, uh, in his last 10 games in Lincoln, one in nine, our good friend Tim Murray tweeted this out. The point differential during that one in nine streak, minus two points. I mean, they have been so close. But he made a decision today to kick an onside kick in the third quarter, up 28 to 17. They didn't get it, it totally turned the game around. Uh, the natives are restless in Lincoln. Uh, Scott Frost better get it done and better get it turned around in a hurry. I wish I had given Northwestern out as the first smell test pick of the year, and you could have bet it at my bookie. Uh, to claim your bonus at my bookie, register today. Use my promo code Kevin DC. That's Kevin DC. Uh, it'll add more excitement to the games and the sports you love. We are just over a week and a half away from the actual NFL opener, uh, the Rams and the Bills, uh, a week from Thursday night. Uh, right now, you can you can bet on team win totals. You can predict the Super Bowl winner or use the MyBookie prop builder to secure your winnings. Uh, your winning season be- begins today exclusively at MyBookie. Again, use my promo code. 
Kevin DC. And if there's something already written in the promo code section, erase it and write Kevin DC. All right, Washington finishes up its preseason as the Commanders, the first ever preseason as the Commanders, winless. They lost to Carolina 23-21. They lost to the Chiefs 24-14. And they lost to the Ravens in Baltimore 17-15, extending Baltimore's NFL record preseason win streak to 23 games. Right? 23 games. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, Sam Howell did his best to end that streak. Uh, He went the whole way as Ron Rivera chose to sit All of his offensive starters, just a few players like Jamin Davis, Benjamin St. Juice, among the players to be at or near the top of the depth chart that played, everybody else given the night off. Uh, We kind of guessed that would happen this week when he said the starters' minutes would be limited, and I said, you know, he said something similar last year before the preseason finale against the Ravens and played nobody. So that's what I predicted would happen. And for the most part, it did. He sat everybody. Uh, And I don't know if that's important or not. Uh, And that's what I want to mention real quickly. You know, it's a mixed bag in this preseason with NFL teams playing or not playing their starters. Specific to this final weekend so far, Uh, Brady started tonight against Indianapolis where Matt Ryan played the first three offensive series for the Colts. No less so far, no less than 11 starting quarterbacks have played this weekend and there's still more games scheduled for tomorrow. So it could be that close to half the teams in the league decided that with the opener more than two weeks away, it made more sense for them to play some of their starters and their starting quarterbacks in in particular, then not play them at all and have them have basically a three-plus-week layoff before the opener because that's what it's going to be for Carson Wentz. It'll be three weeks. He played last Saturday, um, and it'll be just over three weeks before he plays against another opponent. I mean, Ron must be confident that his group is ready to go or – or he's just confident that playing his starters wouldn't be the uh, worth worth the risk that the reward, the reward excuse me just isn't worth the risk of losing them to injury and i understand that concern and a lot of teams understand that concern but still there are starting quarterbacks playing Jameis winston played uh last night looked good by the way that's a team that i am really starting to think has a chance to be much better than maybe people are thinking in the NFC South. I think the Saints, if Winston can stay healthy with Thomas back, with Alave, with Kamara, with a pretty good defense, I think they've got a chance. But anyway, I digress. I mean, tonight, um, Justin Fields, Jacoby Brissett started, uh, Tua started, as I mentioned, uh, Brady and uh, and Matt Ryan started. Uh, you had last night, um, uh, you had uh, in New England, you had Mac Jones getting uh, the start. Uh, didn't look uh, very good. You had Trey Lance playing the other night. You had Jameis Winston, as I mentioned. So, yeah, teams are, even teams with, you know, quarterbacks that they're confident in are playing some of these guys. And, again, some teams are not. I, I don't know whether or not it will ultimately be something that you could even prove matters. But the bottom line is Ron Rivera's teams have been notorious slow starters. They've also been fast finishers. 
We've documented that since the day he got hired, and it, it really hasn't changed here. Last year, obviously, the last few games were a disaster, but that was really, uh, you know, there's a reasonable explanation. It was lots of injuries and lots of COVID. But they had a four-game winning streak late November into early December. They were playing their best football of the year before COVID hit. And obviously they finished uh, finish strong in 2020. The, this has been kind of his hallmark as a coach. Slow starts, fast finishes. The slow starts include seven of his uh, of his 11 seasons as a head coach, starting one in three or worse in the first first four games. Seven of his 11 seasons as a head coach. All right, the first four games in seven of those 11 seasons, he's been one in three or worse um, than one in three. So I, and then by the way, in several seasons, it extended to one in five, one in six, one in five again, one in five again. Two and six. You know, he was one and five here in 2020 and two and six last year. I can't tell you if playing starters in the preseason more would change that. I actually believe, and I've said this many times, it is a strong signal to me that a coach is a good coach when you see that coach figure things out during a season and then watch his team get, pe- get better and play its best football at the end of the year. I think that's the mark of a good coach, somebody who figures it out and has his team playing its best at the end of the year. Gibbs was obviously one of those coaches. I think there's something positive about that. But strong finishes don't mean that you can't start strong too. You know, start well and improve from a baseline of, let's say, 3-3 three and three, or 2-2 two and two, or 4-3 and three, rather than from 1-5. But what is clear is that he must have a certain level of belief that Carson Wentz and the offense in particular um, are all going to look ready when the games begin to count two weeks from tomorrow uh, for them against Jacksonville. We shall see. As far as the Baltimore game goes, uh, here are a few takeaways, and really these takeaways also serve as a look ahead uh, as well. Takeaway number one is, again, Rivera not playing the starters, really not playing the starters much at all in the preseason. I mean, uh, Carson Wentz in the starting offense really never had a series altogether because of some of the injuries to the offensive line. But in terms of him, he ended up getting, what, seven total series in the preseason? Um, They need to prove him right, that they didn't need the live work, you know, especially considering they didn't get a team to scrimmage against this summer. Again, takeaway number two, Sam Howell, um, it's the preseason. He's playing against Baltimore's twos, threes, and fours and whatever. I, I just, I, I liked the way he competed. You know, if you watch college football and you've watched North Carolina, what you saw tonight is really a lot of what you've seen from Sam Howell as a college quarterback. And I mentioned this after the opener against Carolina in the preseason. He's got a lot of Taylor Heineke in him. He's a gamer, he's a play extender, he's a playmaker. The big difference is, is that Sam Howell's got a bigger arm and can make more throws than Taylor Heineke. He was 24 of 35 for 280 yards, a touchdown, took five sacks, rushed eight times for 62 yards. You know, in a game in which um, Washington you know, generated near 400 yards of offense with him going the whole way. I, look, he's the third-string quarterback. Taylor Heineke's going to start. 
uh, as the backup. And I was not a big fan of Hal coming out. I thought he took, you know, like tonight, I thought he took a lot of sacks at Carolina, took, made a lot of bad plays in trying to make big plays and sometimes got himself into more trouble um, than it was worth. But he's got some talent. There's no doubt about that. And in this day and age where mobility at that position is crucial, he has it. Just something to keep in mind, really more for next offseason and a conversation about him if this season doesn't go well, maybe towards the end of the season. Certainly, I would hope that if this season were to go south in a big way, that instead of riding the season out with Taylor Heineke, they would ride it out with Sam Howell. That would make more sense to me. But we're putting the cart before the horse because obviously we're hopeful that they're not in that position to make that decision. But I thought Sam Howell really showed in a lot of the opportunities he had in the preseason, and we knew he would have a lot of opportunities in the preseason. I thought that he um, he just showed what he did at Carolina. He's a gamer, and he can make some plays. Uh, takeaway number three, Deami Brown. I've been hinting at this now for three weeks, and I know that some of you picked up on it and – and I, I didn't come out and say that Deami Brown was in trouble because I'm not even sure that I knew that or felt that. I just had an educated hunch that he wasn't having the best of camps, that they were loaded at the position, and that, you know, don't be shocked if, let's just say, he's playing a lot in, this, in the preseason finale so that, they, so, that, so that he can show them something to stick. They loved him coming out of Carolina, and he got to play with his college quarterback tonight. He dropped two big third downs, including a touchdown pass that was well thrown by Sam Howell. He tried to one-hand it. He shouldn't have. And he that was a catchable ball for a touchdown. I don't know if it would have made the difference. Ron Rivera actually said tonight after, tonight after the game that there were four to seven spots up for grabs. I don't know if Deami Brown was one of those spots. We will find out Tuesday at four. I think he's on the final roster, but I'm not sure and I wouldn't bet on it, but if he is on the final roster, he is in that inactive role, is my prediction. Uh, another takeaway from tonight, Joey Sly missed another kick. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to ask Ben about this. I want to see what Rivera said about it, if anybody asked him about it. But, I mean, you can't have another year with kicker issues. Joey Sly's got a massive leg. You can't miss the kind of field goals um, that he missed. I mean, tonight's field goal attempt was a 43-yarder. I mean, it was hooked badly. Uh, he missed a, a PAT in the preseason game against uh, the uh, the Panthers. I don't know if they're going to bring in another kicker this week. I don't think they are. Uh, Jamin Davis is another takeaway for me tonight. He was out there early, and I thought he looked good. I think he's playing more athletically and not thinking as much. Cooley pointed that out. If you missed Cooley on the podcast Friday, it's there. Um, Cooley had watched the first two preseason games and had some thoughts on Jamin Davis in particular. Um, you know, they wanted to see him out there a little bit. He had a, 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 a tackle for loss um, early in the game. I I don't know what we're going to see from Jamin Davis this year, but he is an athlete, that is for sure, and he's got some speed, and if he can just go play football and just go get the ball, but that's not the way they play. They play a very gap sound system. You've got to be there to, you know, play the system and be disciplined. I think Jamin Davis, they should have known that when they drafted him. It was probably too early. 
Um, Dax Milne, another takeaway from tonight. They love the guy. They have liked the guy. Rivera mentioned him. Uh, I, I saw somebody tweet out in the post game, which is going on right now, um, that he's stood out all summer long. They liked him before the summer began. They liked him last year. Um, they used to like Deami Brown. Uh, not as much anymore, I'm afraid, for Deami. Although, to be fair to him, again, they've got legit legit depth at the, at the position. Uh, lastly, just you know, a, an annual reminder. The, the roster, when it gets cut down to 53 on Tuesday, doesn't mean that that's going to be the roster we see against Jacksonville, especially now with the three preseason games and the time that you have to prepare a new acquisition for the regular season. It used to be the cuts came on Saturday, eight days before the regular season began. Now, you, you know, they come 12 days before the regular season begins, and so you have more time to prepare a player that you claim off waivers. Secondary depth, linebacker, tight end maybe. Look for Washington to perhaps be active uh, when – you get a lot of players released from other teams. Uh, as far as that cut-down date on Tuesday goes, Ben Standig will join me next and tell us what he thinks about some of those final roster spots. Uh, I don't know if he's got his 53-man projection out yet, but we will check with him right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jumping on the podcast right now uh, as he is getting ready to leave Baltimore's M&T Bank Stadium following the end of the preseason, uh, thankfully. Uh, a 17-15 Washington loss. Baltimore extends their NFL consecutive win streak in preseason. Uh, all right, so uh, here we are. Uh, on the Two weeks uh, from tonight, we'll be sitting here on the eve of the regular season. Did this preseason, training camp and preseason, um, make you more confident than you were going into it, less confident in the team than you were going into it, or are you in the same spot you were two and a half, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm in the, I think I'm in the same spot now that, now that we're done. I mean, it's kind of ebbed and flowed, but, you know, we've seen 
the upside potential with Carson Wentz and the offense. He obviously didn't play tonight, but we've seen the, the potential there with, with the deep ball in particular, and we've also seen some of the concerns that have been mentioned before he got here. Um, you know, the defense, I think, by and large, did a lot of good things throughout the throughout training camp. Or throughout training camp, but then we saw in the in the two preseason games they played in full, they still had those struggles on third down defense. I think we see some of the young guys, notably Jahan Dodson, ready to contribute, but we still have questions at linebacker and cornerback at depth, if at least from a depth perspective, right? So that's why I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are some things that have changed to a degree, but in co- in total. I still feel like I have sort of the same, you know, un, un, I had the same unanswered questions as I did in many cases before all this started. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm still in that eight, nine win range, but that's kind of where I'm still at. Yeah, I mean, eight, nine wins is optimistic. I mean, eight to nine wins puts them in contention for a playoff spot and what is perceived to be a weakened NFC. So that's not, you know, People might say, oh, that sounds pretty uh, pessimistic or or negative. No, that's actually optimistic. That's over their projected win total, which is seven and a half. Um, So why do you think, I mean, I kind of had this sense, and I think you did too, that Ron Rivera wasn't going to play anybody. Um, He kind of said similar things last year before the Baltimore game and didn't play anybody. Why do you think he chose not to play his starters, especially on offense where, you know, Carson Wentz didn't get that much work with the starters in the preseason. I mean, I have to imagine the overriding factor is just caution because of injuries, right? I mean, you know, we, we, we see, you know, we saw in that, uh, was it, which, which game was it yesterday? Carolina with their, their starting kicker gets hurt and, and uh, Sam Darnold gets hurt. And, you know, obviously it's, it's, a, it's a physical game and things happen. Uh, other games happened where people didn't get hurt, but I have to be that's the overriding factor. He ultimately played three starters a little bit on defense, Jamin Davis, James Smith-Williams, and Benjamin St. Jude. But other than that, everybody else got the uh, the night off other than some pregame work. And, you know, I, I just think I think they just probably figure they'll get as much out of practice as they get in these things, whether that's fair or not. I'll leave that up to the coaches. But, you know, I think that's got to be the ultimate reason. Biggest storyline to come out of the preseason was what? Out of the preseason, um, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, Chase Young didn't play, but I kind of still, think on some level, that was the answer. I mean, we, 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 you know, at the start of all this, we kind of knew he would miss a little bit of time, but now we know it's at least four games. You know, whatever this defense is going to be, it's not all on him for, for sure, but obviously he's a huge component. So the fact that he's going to be out at least four games, and I would probably guess more than that. Um, you know, it, they're going to have to figure out how to, you know, make up for that. Obviously, they have James Smith-Williams and, you know, some other guys, but they don't have anybody with his potential. And, you know, when when we talk about, like, what like when we look at these, like, this third-down defense over the last uh, two games, and I think the lack of consistent pass rush and discipline that Rivera has talked about has been part of the, probably the big reason why teams have been able to convert on third. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a huge factor for sure. There's other stories, of course. The Antonio Gibson situation yeah. at running back. Yeah, that Car- Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah, I think the, I think the Gibson thing more than anything else. I mean, we we obviously understood that they drafted a running back and that they liked him and that they probably had some concerns, but I don't think we saw essentially after one preseason game Gibson being demoted and Brian Robinson Jr. being elevated to the starting running back position. To me, that was. 
that was the that that, that was kind of one of the biggest storylines, or certainly the, the 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 biggest surprise. Maybe I, I guess somebody could have predicted that. I wouldn't have predict, predicted it for the opener, but I think that's what we're going to get. Yeah, I, I think that I think this has accelerated faster than any of us would have imagined. I mean, I guess I'll pat myself on the back slightly by saying, you know, going back before the draft, like I was. You're calling you know, for a running back. My, I can say yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, mean all that, and then even you know, as we were, I was writing some things for the website for the Athletic about like fantasy football type stuff, and there was a lot of like, look, if, in terms of Antonio Gibson, I think you know, be prepared, he's going to get less touches. That may make him more effective, but ultimately, I think he's going to get less work. And for me, like, so Brian Robinson looked the part of that early down back that Gibson just didn't. Um, and obviously, like we said, it, it just played out more. It's been accelerated far more far quicker than I think any of us could have imagined. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that was a bigger surprise that it's taken, that's gone like this. Um, and it does look like Robinson would be, I, you know, the term starter, I think it's, it can be, mis, it can be confusing because like there's a JD McKissick to take the first snap, but in terms of who's going to get the most touches, especially on early downs, I think that's typically what we're talking about with the lead back. And it does feel like Robinson's going to be that guy. What did Sam Howell um, prove, if anything, tonight? Well, I think if you saw, if you, for people who didn't watch his last season at North Carolina, I think you got a sense of how that went because he was on the run throughout this game, and that, and that was the deal with him at Carolina. But what you saw was a guy who can move. He's he's unafraid. Hopefully, that doesn't uh, get him hurt at some point down the line. But he's big, he, he's not big, but he's a little burly. He's unafraid to run, and you know he also I, I thought was pretty effective throwing the ball for the most part. I think they easily could have had. Some more points. Deami Brown had a couple drops. Um, the, the potential game time two point conversion. It looked like just from watching from the press box that it was there. It was and Cole and Cole. Just, yeah, and Cole couldn't bring it out. So I, I thought Hal showed, you know, pretty good poise. Uh, you know, he got that arm. So, you know, I think if we don't see him again until next uh, off season, I, I think he's shown he's a pretty interesting guy. And, I, and I've been saying like. I wonder if the, if over the second half of the year there becomes a reason that they need a backup, what would happen there? Because obviously Heineke is the clear answer now, and maybe he is throughout the year, but Hal has more physical tools, and uh, you know I wonder if they at some point would think, hey, that's the better way to go. But either way, they have a guy who's going to be interesting for next year, whether that's a potential backup or you know who knows what else. Tuesday at four is the final cutdown date from eighty to fifty-three. Um, what you've done a, a fifty-three man projection? Give me uh, what you, is there a chance that there is a, a, a surprise um, between now and Tuesday night? Yeah, I'm I'm working on my final final one right now. I'll do that once we finish. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anybody that's like overly surprising at this point. I know there's some people who mentioned Deami Brown. I, I don't see that happening at all, even though. He's been very inconsistent this camp, and I would guess it's probably going to be inactive on a lot of game days. Yeah, uh, because if they keep six receivers, Dax Mill I think would be the sixth guy, and he'd be the punt returner. So Brown would sit. Um, other than that, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wavering on Khalid Hudson, who isn't really a big name, but I think we're all just sort of penciling him in as one of the linebackers. But I don't know. I just haven't. Uh, I think that spot in general, the depth has been questionable for months. It remains that way, and. I would easily see them looking to the waiver wire come Tuesday, but I think Khalid Hudson for me is on the edge right now. Either as either I keep a different linebacker or I just only keep three. I mean, I really don't find this group particularly interesting. And then you got the whole secondary. You know, we just talked to Jeremy Reeves in the locker room. He's obviously been 
on the edge every year he's been here. He's played pretty well. He's he's talked. I've talked to him several times in his camp. He's he's talked about how he feels he's made a leap in terms of his mentality, his confidence, and that's tra- translated on the field. We saw him make a really nice uh, run stop today. But the question is, how many safeties do they keep? If they keep five, is it him? Is it Stephen Parker? Uh, or do they not keep five? Right. So I, I think he's on the edge. I think I'll probably have him in. But you know, he's obviously been on that edge you know, for the last several years. Is there any concern that they have with Joey Sly after missing two kicks in the preseason? Um, Rivera was asked about that miss, and he was kind of adamant about how Sly just gets like overhyped on whatever his first kick is, and that he tells him, Rivera tells Sly to, to calm down, and then after that first kick, he's better. But that first, that first kick, whatever it is, I guess, he's noticing um, he's a little uh, amped up, and it's got a chill out if he's going to be missing him. But at the moment, though, I don't think so. We were all kind of joking in the press box that as they're watching him driving for the potential game-winning points, you know, we're all focusing on the on the Ravens' winning streak, but what happens if Joey Sly goes out there and misses a kick, then we have a story. But it didn't come to that, and I think they're good with it for right now. But, yeah, he's got to tighten that up if the coach is uh, mentioning that specifically. If there's a player or two that is on the opening day roster that currently isn't, um, what positions do they end up being at? Well, I mean, I think linebacker depth and cornerback depth to me are, you know, highly questionable. I mean, at cornerback, after the top three guys, you know, Fuller, Jackson, and St. Juice, I mean, you know, you're looking at Danny Johnson, Corn Elder, Christian Holmes, I, I, you know, I, I, I like Danny Johnson and have throughout his time here, but, you know, I, he, he gave up a long touchdown today. He was picked on a couple times during his preseason. So, you know, I think he's good, but, I mean, it's it to be on the roster, but, you know, I, I think they could probably use more than him as the fourth guy. And then, um, you know, you go you kind of go from there. So I think that, and then, like I said, linebacker, I mean, whether, whether I keep Hudson or not, I don't know if there's, you know, four, more than four linebackers who I have making it initially here. Uh, so I would easily think they're going to look at the at the waiver market to see what's out there come Tuesday. All right, it's a busy week uh, for people like Ben. Follow him on Twitter all week long, at Ben Standig. Listen to his podcast. Also, subscribe to The Athletic, uh, and I'll be retweeting him all week long as well as um, they get down to uh, 53 by Tuesday at 4 p.m. And then there could be changes because unlike you know the past, they'll have you know a full week and a half plus you know before the opener to get players in here um, to potentially uh, to potentially uh, get ready for a season opener. It, it, last year we changed the whole dynamic of that. It's you got more time to get somebody in here and get them ready for an opener rather than maybe the seven or eight days you used to have. Um, thanks for doing this. Uh, drive safely, and I'll talk to you this week. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. See ya. All right. Up next, the head coach of the Terps, Mike Loxley, will jump on with us and help preview what should be his best football team since coming to Maryland four years ago. Uh, We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, let's welcome on to the show the head football coach at the University of Maryland, Mike Loxley. Terps went 7-6 and six last year, blew out Virginia Tech in the pinstripe bowl, 54-10, to 10, and they return a potentially lethal offensive group for the upcoming season, which starts next Saturday, Labor Day weekend, against Buffalo uh, in College Park. Uh, coach, you know, you're in your fourth year. I can't believe it's been four years already since you've been back. And I know it's been weird with the pandemic and, you know, no fans there and a shortened schedule, but man, time flies, doesn't it? Time flies when you're having fun and I'm still having fun as we enter into year four, Kevin, and, and, and very appreciative of the great opportunity that I've been afforded by being a head coach here at Maryland. So let me not um, bury the lead here. You know, many of us are as excited as we've been in a while about Maryland football. It looks to many of us from afar that this might be your best team since you've been here as the head coach. Are we right? Is this your best team at Maryland? Yeah, and again, I'm not big on the comparisons, but I know I did mention that, that this is, is the best team I've had since I've been back here. I wouldn't say since I've been at Maryland, but since I've been back as the head coach, by far the the, the best team, and, and not just because of the talent that we have, but the depth that we've created, and then you know the type of playmakers that we've been able to develop over the last few years. So uh, from top to bottom, um, just the understanding and buy-in that we've gotten, uh, the depth we've created via recruiting and the, and, and the development of our players, it leads me to say that. Before we get into some of those players, you know, you and I talked right before the bowl game last year, and you told me that the extra practice, the time you get to stick together with your team when you make a bowl game is huge. So how does that, how will that extra practice time pay off? Yeah, you know, the benefit is is, is we've, we've talked about just how – uh, you can't put a price tag on how valuable those extra 14, 15 practices were that we were able to have, especially with the development piece. And, you know, I oftentimes use the word we're a developmental program, which means we're going to take good players and we're going to do the things necessary over the course of how we train them, how we teach them, uh, and develop them. And, and they'll get better because of the time they spend in our program. And so when you look at some of those guys that will be uh, helping us this year, like a Roman Hemby or Antoine Littleton, you know, these guys redshirted a year ago, 
but those 14-15 practices that they got leading into the bowl game and those guys like those two were able to play in that game as their fourth game. So they're not necessarily coming in as just a, a, a inexperienced freshman or redshirt freshman. They've gained valuable experience, but we've also, you know, been able to expedite their growth and their development because of those practices. And I mean, that's across the board. You know, we we are a young team, and I know we have a lot of returning starters, but we've got a bunch of guys that have played a lot of football. But then when you look at the bottom part of our rosters and the the backups and the number two guys, a lot of those guys are freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores that have had a chance now to have a, a, basically an extra spring ball to develop their skill set. Leah Tungavailoa, to his brother, for those that don't know, is on the Manning watch list, uh, one of the expected best quarterbacks in the country this year. He threw for over 3,800 yards last year, 26 touchdowns, 11 picks. I thought he had two of the best games of his career when it mattered the most at the end. Uh, Mike against Rutgers uh, and in the bowl game. He's got a really good chance if he stays healthy. All right, knock on wood to set every Maryland passing record this year. And you and I both know, because we've talked about the past, you know, this was a quarterback factory when you and I were at Bird watching Boomer and Reich and Gelbaugh and O'Donnell. And then you were around for it for guys like Scott McBrien and Sean Hill. Um, What are your expectations for Leah this year? Yeah, you know, I've been on a soapbox in terms of – you know, fighting for my quarterback. Uh, I really feel like he's a guy, you know, too many people who saw the national TV game against Iowa that second quarter where, you know, he threw the interceptions, and, and I get that. But when, when to break the single-season passing record, to break the completion percentage record, uh, with, with the type of quarterbacks you just named having and holding most of those records, I just don't think you can um, – take away that he's been able to do that because of one quarter. Now, is he the finished product? No, not at all. And that's where it's our job to continue to develop him. But, you know, he had seven games of over 300 yards passing. Um, You know, his touchdown, the interception ratio, you know, wasn't perfect or like above average, but it was pretty good. I mean, I think he had 11 picks to like 27 touchdowns, and I may be a little off, but um, I really feel that, you know, if he takes the next step, which we expect him to this year, he'll be one of the guys they talk about as one of the best quarterbacks in college football this year. Yeah, and I, I thought, again, I thought that Virginia Tech game, I mean, he was near perfect in that game as he was in the Rutgers game. And it just seemed like after that, you know, big build up to that Iowa game on a Friday night, you know, last year, that after that, I th- I thought watching him, he settled down and he just kept getting better and better. And I thought he was at at his best at the end of last year. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, there's no doubt. He he kept improving. You know, after the Iowa game, he took the necessary steps. He made the corrections um, and, and really finished the year off the way you want your quarterback to finish it off. And uh, you know, the goal now, and, and, and we try not to say build on. Because obviously last year uh, is has come and gone, and you don't get to pick up where you left off. You actually got to start from ground zero, and 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 then you know take last year's experiences, and hopefully they help us as we move forward into this this year's version of the Maryland football family. And just like everybody, you know, I expect Leah to to take that next step this year. What do you think is the number one thing he needs to improve upon the most? You know, I've said this, and, and, and I've seen the improvement, but it's what I've been on him about. 
um, is just the emotional maturity of, of playing that position. You know, he's a very emotional player where, you know, when things are going good, I mean, he is super amped and hyped and, and really a, a tremendous leader. And then when things aren't going so well, I think, you know, he, he, I always talk, tell him my little code word is to say, hey, talk nicely to yourself because he's so competitive and he gets down on himself when he has a bad play that sometimes that bad play leads to another, which leads to another, which we saw kind of in that second quarter of Iowa where he starts pressing. And I think for a great quarterback, uh, to be a great quarterback, you've got to have a short memory. You've got to uh, continue to kind of not ride the wave of that, that, the ebb and flow of a game and don't let your highs be too high or your lows too low and just kind of stay in that neutral socket to where, you know, he's got great talent around him. He doesn't have to win the game. He just needs to do a good job of getting the ball to these playmakers in the right positions for them to make plays. We're talking to Mike Loxley, the head coach of Maryland. Let's talk about the playmakers. You've got NFL wide receivers uh, on this team. You're loaded at wide receiver. Let's start there. Talk about uh, the guys that you have, Jarrett and Copeland, and obviously Dante Demas coming back. Yeah, you know, the the big one for me is a healthy Dante Demas coming back. And, and, you know, he's uh, ahead of schedule with it. Um, He's gotten through the summer camp. Um, even at if he's at ninety percent, I mean the ninety percent Dante is better than most people's one hundred percent. But his leadership was immeasurable, and and when we lost him, we lost basically the soul of our team. But having him back has been really helpful. Uh, being able to go get a guy like Jacob Copeland, who I have a history with and know you know really really well, it will be a great addition um, to that room. You know, Rockham Jarrett stepped up big when Dante went down and and did a tremendous job picking up kind of the slack of losing uh, a playmaker like Dante, and he will only continue to get better. You know, you think about him only playing a five-game uh, five shortened season in 2020, and what he was able to do last year as basically a, a sophomore. Um, Jay Sean Jones is back healthy and made a bunch of plays for us here uh, doing training camp, and, and I've been really happy with Ty Felton, the young receiver, that uh, came on strong force last year before he kind of went out with injury. But really talented room. Yeah, it really is. Um, tell me about your backs. Uh, last weekend, we saw Tayon Fleet Davis score a touchdown for the Chiefs in a, in a preseason game against Washington. So he's gone. But man, you had a bunch of guys step up in that bowl game in particular. What does the backfield look like? Who are we going to see, you know, at, at next week against Buffalo? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see four guys that that'll have a chance to to contribute, and and you know, if a guy obviously gets hot, um, we'll ride him. But you know, we've always kind of played uh, multiple backs. Uh, you know, during during my tenure, um, you know, even at other places, it, it takes more than one to do it. But you know, having guys like Kobe McDonald coming back, who played a bunch for us last year and made some plays. Uh, Roman Hemby uh, is is a, a three down guy that's great in protection, great in the passing game, and has the home run speed to hit, you know to hit the home run. Uh, Antoine Littleton has, has been one of the bright spots for us in terms of you know he's a guy that came in and really worked to change his body, and then and, and for a big back, uh, he's a kind of a change. Has great feet, great hands in the passing game, um, a physical tough runner. And then you throw in the true freshman, Ramon Brown, who has really jumped out you know, with his size and speed for a young guy. He has a body that's ready to play. I'm excited about him and and Littleton, man. He uh, that's that's a big dude, and as you said, I mean, great vision and great feet. 
uh, for somebody um, that size. All right, let's flip it to the other side of the ball. Tell me about the defense, the elevation of Brian Williams to defensive coordinator, um, and some of the players over there. What kind of defense is Maryland football going to have this year? Yeah, you know, our defense doesn't get the notoriety, obviously, because of last season, the last couple of years. We, you know, we gave up a lot of yardage, gave up a bunch of big plays, but, you know, without being an excuse making um, program, you know, losing Fanage Gote, losing Deontay Banks, losing Jacorian Bennett during, you know, a good chunk of last season, losing our best pass rusher and Darrell Chami didn't help, help us on defense with, with, with those type of starters being out. And so what I can tell you is that we're a healthy team now on defense. Uh, having Ami Finau come back for a COVID year, um, you know, back again. Having a guy like Mo Sai and Asili Kite and Greg China Rose, who's also doing a COVID year, and a healthy Chami will help us in the front end of it. But then the the back end, with, we have three corners that I think are, are NFL-type corners. Yeah. You know, Jacorian Bennett, uh, Deontay Banks, and Tarheep Steele. Um, you know, missing two of those guys a year ago didn't help. And, and then obviously we lost quite a bit in the safety or the back end with, uh, you know, two guys leaving to go to the next level and Nick Cross and Jordan Mosley. But we played a lot of football with guys like Dante Trader a year ago. Bo Braid played a lot of football for us. And then I've been really, really uh, happy with the way Glendon Miller and Isaiah Hazel have really come along um, on for the back end. And so, again, you know, the big key for us playing great defense and Coach Williams did a tremendous job at the end of the year. Of, of you know, paring down what we wanted to do, getting those guys to play with the type of effort. But you know, we've got to limit the big plays on the defensive side of the ball, and then we've got to make sure we do a good job getting some turnovers, which we haven't been able to do here. You know, you mentioned still loved him as a returner too. The the player that you didn't mention yep. is your your linebacker eleven Hippolyte, who I just who made so mm-hmm. many plays last year. Yeah. And and that was definitely an oversight because Ruben is kind of like how Dante was for us on the offensive side. He's not now no longer the young guy. He's a true junior. He's played a lot of football. He's really done a great job of uh, leading that front front end of our defense and uh, has shown the, the size and speed to be to be a sideline to sideline guy. Omar uh, McCullough coming back as a, a inside linebacker. The addition of Van Darius Cowan, who transferred him from West Virginia. Uh, by the way, of Alabama when I was there. So, yeah, we got a lot of second-level pieces that, that obviously, you know, the goal for us now is to make sure our communication is great, limit the uh, missed assignments, and then try to find a way to get the ball on the ground. By the way, I had a friend of mine say, make sure that the next time you've got Coach Loxley on to ask him about his new kicker, the transfer from, I think, Eastern Michigan. <laughs> is it, Apparently yeah. this kid is really good. He is, and I've, I've been on the record of saying that the best transfer portal player we brought in is the kicker, uh, Chad Ryland, and he's a guy that's a Groza Award uh, uh, nominee. Uh, last year was one of the best kickers in, in the country. Uh, that was kind of Coach Zook's, Ron Zook's departing gift for me was yeah. going and recruiting uh, Chad Ryland, and all he's done is came in and assimilated really well within our culture here. Uh, has a big leg. I mean, kicked a 58 yarder with the strings a week weekend ago. Uh, kicks the ball out of the end zone a bunch, which helps you in your uh, kickoff cover unit. Um, is a weapon. I mean, he, he basically told me, Coach, once we get inside the 37, 38, and last week he told me the 40. He said, you know, I'm good. That's my kick line. I'm like the 40 yard line. 57 so yards. Yeah. he was. 
Yeah, I thought he was bluffing me, and then he kicked the 58-yarder uh, in the scrimmage, and I, I said, I guess you weren't lying because he has a big leg and really kicking with a lot of confidence as well. All right, so we all know that Maryland plays in the Big Ten East. You know, not easy. You know, along with the SEC West, mm-hmm. the most difficult division of any conference in the country, year in and year out. How close do you think Maryland is in getting uh, to where it can compete, you know, year in and year out with those upper echelon teams, Ohio State, Michigan, et cetera? You've told me in the past, you know, it's been interior line play and depth in particular where you've had to make strides. Is that still it? Yep. No, because that's the area, you know, we didn't talk about the O-line. Right. You know, we were on the other side of the ball, but – you know, having three dudes there, Jahari Branch and Jalen Duncan and Spencer Anderson, who I think all will have a chance to play on Sunday. Uh, the development of uh, Mason Lunsford over there, as well as, you know, young DJ Glaze. Uh, and then, you know, we played and got through a year ago with seven O-linemen. Now I think because of how we've created depth in recruiting, we've got 10 to 11. And it's the same can be said for us up front where we're rotating you know, some really talented players, which allows us to keep guys fresh and, and keep them on the field, uh, you know, and, and playing at a high level. So when you ask how far away are we, uh, we're to the point now in year four where we should be competing with those teams. And, you know, to me, that, that's that's the next step for us. And, and not just compete, but find ways to uh, do the things necessary and create the right kind of habits and, and behaviors that allow you to, to win those type of games. All right, let's uh, talk real quickly, and I'll let you run. I appreciate the time. The early portion of the schedule, you know, Buffalo this coming uh, Labor Day weekend uh, at home. Tickets, by the way, are on sale. It's a 12 noon kick uh, in College Park. You got Charlotte on the road after that, SMU before you hit the Big Ten schedule. What's the early portion of the schedule look like to you, especially the, the opener against Buffalo? Yeah, and that's really the only one that matters. You know, anybody that follows college football, and you hit on this earlier, but, you know, we've got one of the top five toughest schedules in the country again this year. And it's, you know, because of the schedule that we play in, you know, in in conference, you know, we got the top team from the West and Wisconsin and, and Purdue, which both were uh, big-time teams that are, you know, expected to compete for the Western division. Um, and then you throw a SMU in there who, you know, I haven't checked the rankings, but I think they're either right outside the top 25 if they're not in because, you know, I'm more worried about Buffalo than I am the upcoming opponent. But, right. you know, when you, you have the third or fourth toughest schedule, I mean, to me, that's why people come to Maryland because they want to play against the best. They want to compete against the best. And, and, and we're not backing away from the schedule, and we're excited about having the opportunity to go see how it plays out. Um, can't wait to watch your team this year. Uh, lots of us, as you know, are rooting for you big time. Best of luck to you this year, and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, uh, Mike Loxley, everybody. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you for having me on. All right, that's it for the show. Back on probably Tuesday of this coming week. I am heading out of town. I'm going to be able to do some podcasts from out of town, um, but I probably won't do one on Monday unless there's a real Uh, compelling reason to do so. Uh, All right. Thanks. Have a good uh, rest of the weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.